the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What you can't hear? Here, let me turn that up for you. Not anymore. Paul was telling me, he was trying to tell me to, how do you turn down my headphones? And I was just kept turning them up. (laughs) Watch the the blood running down. Yeah, really. Yeah, the way I do it. All right. Hey, it it is a Thursday, and that means we took a a week off last week. uh, And this week, everything, let's just put it this way. Yesterday, all hell broke loose. Uh, y- yes, it was. Uh, I think it was an expected breaking loose of hell. But <laughs> okay, well, still, whether it's yeah. expected yeah. or not, it it was not a good day yesterday for the state of Arkansas when a a, a, a federal judge says, "Hey, Arkansas works. Uh, no, you can't do it." Yep. Um, uh, as I, I mentioned earlier, we kind of saw the the kind of read the putt of the other guy, and the other guy being Kentucky. Uh, this is their second time that theirs has been struck down. Uh, it was a twin ruling yesterday uh, where uh, Judge Boasberg, uh, out of the uh, federal district court in D.C. Appointed by Obama. Appointed by Obama, uh, ruled against Arkansas's work requirement and then for a second time against Kentucky's, which was supposed to go into effect on Monday, I believe. So, uh, you know, I, I think first and foremost people have to understand that Arkansas is a national leader uh, in, in the implementation of work yeah. requirements. No other state has done it. We're the only state to have implemented it. Uh, and so when you challenge the status quo and when you do what states are intended to do, and that's to be uh, uh, you know, laboratories for democracy and, and all sorts of things to kind of uh, test out new ways to do things, uh, you're going to have challenges. You're going to have obstacles, and that's what this is. It's an obstacle. Uh, the governor today in his news conference, uh, uh, it was watched by about 90-plus uh, media outlets uh, nationally. Uh, wanting to hear what the governor had to say, he 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 uh, doubled down on his commitment to the work requirement, and and that's exactly I think the feeling for most legislators as well is that look we want to lead, and it, and nothing worth doing is easy, and it's going to take some fight. Um, obviously, again, like I said before, we kind of kind of expected and knew what Boesberg was going to do, um, but obviously yesterday it was it was uh, in writing, and we saw it, and uh, it's about a thirty-three page opinion, so we had to. Uh, spend some time on that and look through it, but at the end of the day, um, you know he, he just has a philosophical uh, a bent that work requirements should not be included in any part of Medicaid, and, a, and that's what he's a liberal. What yeah, can I say? That's but that's what he, what he ruled on. He didn't. I think it's important to point out that with all the talk about uh, the ways to report and, and whether online or in person or on you know, via the phone. That was not decided on. In fact, uh, he left that alone and did not make a decision on that and ruled instead, again, on sort of his philosophy that work requirements 
uh, should not be part of, of, of Medicaid. So I think that was some good news coming out of it. Um, and, and as far as we're concerned, the governor has spoken with HHS and the deputy secretary there, as well as CMS administrator Seema Verma, uh, and, and he's requested an expedited appeal. Uh, because of the fact that Arkansas is an intervener in this case, uh, we are not able to appeal independently. Okay. Um, because the lawsuit was filed against Secretary Azar and HHS, so so the ball sort of in, in their, their court. court. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of strategy involved. Uh, they've got to look at different ways. We talked about the fact that if you go up to the, you know DC Circuit Court of Appeals, not necessarily friendly. Uh, so we're trying to figure out the best way to do it. But the governor was very clear. Um, in that call that he would like an expedited appeal uh, and and let's move this thing along. Okay, so what does that mean for Arkansas Works right now? Does it mean it stops it dead in the water right now until the appeals are, are run through or what? So right now uh, everything goes back to the previous waiver with Arkansas Works, which was the uh, obviously the watered-down work referral, uh, which means every individual who comes onto the program uh, has to be referred from DHS over to DWS for worker training and things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, the good news, uh, and I think the silver lining, is the fact that we have been up and running for almost a year with the work requirement program, and we've done a lot of education and a lot of outreach to folks to show them that, hey, uh, this is how you get involved. Here are the opportunities for employment that are out there. Here's how we can help. Uh, and I think what we've seen already is 12,000-plus individuals on Arkansas Works, who are subject to the work requirement, have moved on to work. Uh, if you take a look at the uh, uh, Workforce Services New Hire Registry, and that's good news. Yeah, so it shows that in your pipe, Judge. So that shows that people are connecting this on to work, and they are out there working. Also, say that eighty-eight percent of those on Arkansas Works subject to the work requirement were in compliance. Eighty-eight percent. Now, the judge points out in his opinion that twelve point three percent. Uh, of those who were uh, subject to the work requirement, or of those subject to the work requirement, only 12.3% that didn't automatically qualify uh, reported. Well, again, you have to flip that. You can cite any statistic you want, but you have to look at the full picture that 88% uh, were in compliance with the work requirement, and that has gone up each and every month. So, again, to me, that shows that the outreach is working, those, uh, the education as to what to do and how to do it is working, um, so that's the good news. Uh, to your question, and I'll get back to my train of thought here in a second, but to sure. answer your question, because of the ruling now, Arkansas has to go back to the way uh, Arkansas works has to go back to the way it was before the work requirement, which means that no one will lose coverage starting April 1st, uh, which is what was set to do the first three months of the year. Mm-hmm. And that 30-day retroactive coverage now goes to 90 days, back to the 90 days. So that's those are the changes you'll see. Um, and at this point, obviously, let's say that a stay was granted, which obviously the, the odds of that happening are not good. But if it were to happen, you could probably see something where DHS was ready to go back to the, to the work requirement and maybe push it out a month you know, to give people an extra month to, to comply because you know, you're interrupting the last three days of the month. Um, so that's one way to do it but but again we're uh, we're in a situation now we're uh, a situation i think we knew we would be in hope we wouldn't be but kind of knew we would be and so we're preparing for the next steps which is that expedited appeal uh and, and we feel like we have a good case i mean the governor you know points out the fact that uh you know all the national uh stories and even locally that say 
more than or around 18,000 individuals rolled off Arkansas Works for noncompliance in 2018, right? And so that's one of the big, well, these individuals no longer have coverage. Well, in 2019, in the way the, the amendment was written, you were only locked out from till the end of the year. Since that time, of those 18,000, less than 2,000 have re-enrolled. So where are those other 16,000? And that's been our biggest question. Yeah, are they working or what? Right. So you're saying that less than 2,000 of those, of those 18,000, have decided to re-enroll in the program in 2019. And since June 1 of 2018, we've seen 12,000-plus people move into work from Arkansas Works. So I think if you look at those statistics and you look at those numbers, uh, you know, those in, in and of itself uh, shows remarkable progress uh, in, a, in an unprecedented uh, program like Arkansas Works Work Requirement. So I think it shows that, that there's a ton of progress uh, being made of course, we ran into an obstacle here, but uh, I, I think that speaks volumes to the work that was put into this by the governor, uh, his staff, and DHS. All right. Let's take our first break here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Paul Calvert's here as well. Our guest, of course, is J.R. Davis, the spokesman for the governor's office. He'll be with us for the hour. We'll return from the third floor house side of the state capitol right after these. All right. Back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show the uh, third floor, house side, and uh, Capitol's kind of a, you know in a buzz today, to be honest with you. A lot of, a lot of things being talked about because of the judge's opinion that came down uh, yesterday. Uh, J.R. Davis is our guest. J.R., let me ask this. It sounds like to me this is something that you you got to hope that the, the, the Supreme Court is going to hear because uh, it's going to be rough getting through D.C. courts and those things because they're basically liberal. Uh, it would ho- you would hope that you get a shot in front of the highest court of the land. Uh, you think the, the Supreme Court has got uh, the appetite to hear this one? I think so. Uh, yeah, I think this is something that you got to remember. Uh, I mentioned earlier that Arkansas is leading the nation uh, in this, and we really are. I mean, we were one of the first states to ask for this waiver to implement the work requirements since that time. I think eight more have been granted, and seven other states are pending. So there's a lot of so there's talking, a lot of people out there waiting now to see what what you're transpires. You're talking 15 states right now that are that are, have either been approved or are pending approval. Uh, CMS, HHS, they have shown no signs of slowing down that approval process. Uh, they want to continue with this community engagement, as they call it. Um, and so, uh, you know, when you fight for something like this, and you're sort of the guinea pig obstacles present themselves but i think our legislature has a lot of fight in it as well as the governor and the fact is that you know we we've set up to be sort of the uh the prize fighter in in this situation and we're going to take it as far as we can um and that's why i think it's important as to what the senate did yesterday in in, uh, approving the dhs budget uh and appropriations um and and what i expect the house to do as well and that is for us to go on as business as usual so we set the stage for that appeal if you turn around and say we're going to do away with it and we're done with that and we're not going to fund the appropriations uh then you essentially say to boastberg and those who are against this that you know we're done we really don't need the work requirement we're over it and that's it so we've really got to put ourselves in a position to be able to fight this uh, uh, as many rounds as it takes, and this is just the first round. So uh, we're 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 confident uh, that that the program we have here in Arkansas is right. The governor is confident that Judge Boesberg got it wrong. Said as much today in the news conference, 
Um, and so we'll, we'll we're going to fight it. We plan to fight it, and I, I think we're going to have tremendous backing from the legislature. You were you were saying that it, it were you saying that it's HHS that actually fights it. Yeah. So because the, we are no because we are an intervener uh, in the case, uh, we cannot in this particular case we cannot um, uh, file an appeal independently of HHS. So HHS Secretary Azar, they, Secretary Azar is the client of DOJ in this case. So they have to appeal it. Um, and so they're going over the strategies and, you know, whether or not to, to bring Kentucky along in that or, or however they do it. Okay, so Arkansas doesn't actually appeal. It would be the it, federal government. It would be the federal government. And, and we would working on behalf of Arkansas and possibly Kentucky. You've already been told that's going to happen, correct? Well, we're, we're told they're seriously looking at a lot of different options. Oh, okay. I mean, they're being strategic here because they want to make sure that the next route they go is not just getting us tied up in courts for years to come. We, we right. want the expedited appeal. That's what the governor requested, um, and and I don't think that the DMS appropriation uh, should should be in any jeopardy. Um, I think that we're in good standing with that. Uh, we had this fight in 2018, and and we got the work requirement, we got it passed, and that's still essentially where we are. We we have the administration's backing, and now we just have to go to court, and that's part of fighting hard for something you believe in. All right, it's good that the uh, the president hopefully is looking forward to fight this. Because there's nothing he likes better than a good fight. That's right. He is a fighter. That is, that is for sure. <laughs> he, he really likes, likes to take to him off and in court. Because especially if he feels like they, he can win. And right now he's on a roll. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we, we obviously hope that with the uh, Mueller report uh, behind us that uh, we really, this administration is able to focus on the sort of day-to-day things uh, and and the, uh, the big changes uh, to... The way we do business, and part of that is looking at Medicaid, uh, the Medicaid program and the expansion population and how we can be better stewards of taxpayer dollars and truly use that money to treat those who are most vulnerable. And that's what we feel like this this uh, work requirement did. i got to jump in right now and say, your allergies are getting you, aren't they? Oh, you should have heard me yesterday, man. I'm glad it was today and not yesterday. If, today, if it was yesterday, it would have been brutal because you wouldn't have been able to understand a word You'd I was saying. You've been squeaking, so. huh? Oh yeah, I've been uh, <laughs> drinking a lot of tea lately. So I can. What what gets you? Is it is it the Bradford pear trees that get you? Oh, and man, they I bloom up. The older I get, the worse it gets. Every single time, you know, winter turns to spring. So I'm not sure what did it this year. I've never lost my voice before. And on Monday, I couldn't talk at all, which was a very different uh, <laughs> feeling. Isn't feeling, it? Uh, but I'm glad it's sort of. Uh, I think I think it was just. You know, being tired, the allergies, everything else kind of got to me at once. But I'm on the mend. Yeah, I, I feel say. I feel for you. This is the first year, and I don't know if this table's got wood on it or not. And I'm gonna knock on it anyway, because <laughs> usually I lose my voice for a week mm-hmm. when the Bradford pears all bloom up. For some reason, it just kills me. It's bad for a radio guy. Yeah, it's real bad <laughs> for a radio guy. So anyway. Right now, we're doing good, but that's not to say by the end of the show today, I won't be squeaking. <laughs> right, right. Just so that everybody know. One of the attorneys in the, one of the committees last night, I, I walked out, out to his car with him, and he was he was hacking. Oh, that's he terrible, was, man. The allergies were getting to him. But. The second worst place in the country to be if you have really? allergies is, out, is Arkansas. Really? Well, yeah. fantastic. So what's, what's number what's I'm number sure there's one? some legislation so pending trying to change. Yeah, I forget one. what number one was. It, but it's like in Alabama or something like that, or maybe it's, yeah, it'll be Alabama. I was about to say, I wouldn't, or I wouldn't put it past, yeah, southern Georgia. 
right around there by the Carolinas. Yeah, it's, it's bad. It just it, and 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 we haven't even started really getting into the the tree stuff that that once we start seeing that, that yellow coat yeah our cars right? that's when yeah. it gets bad all right so i'll move on and, and just say so the bottom line now is that it's a waiting game to see what uh, the government or the, the the administration is going to do yeah it's yeah i would i think that's probably appropriate that it's a waiting game but but the governor is certainly uh not going to rest uh with you know just this thing limping along this is something he believes in he doubled down on it uh, states should have this flexibility, and, and it is a project, a demonstration project. We were trying it out. We wanted to see the uh, measurables and, and the progress we were making, and by all accounts, again, you can cite positive. any statistic. We can cite any statistic. I get that, but if you truly look at the overall picture, it was making a lot of progress uh, from an edu- educational and outreach standpoint to actual uh, number of Arkansas Works recipients uh, actually being connected to work into new insurance, and and I think that's what the really important takeaway is, especially the juxtaposition of where you have, you know, uh, 2,000 individuals of those 18,000 that re-enrolled, and on the other side you have more than 12,000 individuals who've been connected to work. I mean, we're talking, what is that, a a, a six-to-one, you know, ratio as far as, you know, those who are being connected to work and those who have come back onto the program. And also we have to be able to find out who those 16,000 people are. DHS has done everything they possibly can to try to track these folks down, and it's been very difficult. So at some point, obviously, personal responsibility is a big deal. That's part of this, and that's the governor's fundamental belief is that there has to be some sort of personal responsibility in a program like this uh, because I think if you look at the actual waiver as it was before Boesberg shot it down, uh, there were a lot of caveats. If you had a dependent, if you were uh, medically frail, if you were – Pregnant, uh, you know, so on and so forth. There were a lot of opportunities for exemption, so we certainly don't believe, in any rate, that this was unfair or or asking too much uh, of people. Again, you're talking 20 hours a week of work or volunteering or going to school or work or training. So uh, we're confident in what we have, and uh, we'll we'll march forward and we'll fight the good fight, and uh, we'll see where we come out on at the end. So you got you got all of that going on. The thing that I didn't understand is in reading his. Uh, you know his uh, decision mm-hmm. was was that you know he kind of zeroed in on using the internet to you know get on and to say yeah I'm, I work the hours and all that and it was so difficult and yada yeah and I'm like dude it's the 21st century these people know how to do this stuff and there's all kinds of other ways to do it right and 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 he did i hear what you're saying yes especially in the introduction where he cites some issues with specific individuals who said they weren't really computer savvy didn't know how to operate it and that sort of thing but his decision has nothing to do with that and which was sort of remarkable sort of just kind of setting the narrative uh and and the impediments he says uh for these individuals but the decision that he handed down had absolutely nothing to do with the reporting requirements um or excuse me, the way in which those individuals would report, whether it was via internet, phone, walking into your DHS office. Uh, you, you saw earlier this week we had a news conference with Central Arkansas Library System where we uh, trained about, I believe, 100 of their employees to help with uh, with you know reporting folks' requirements when they walk in. Yeah. So, I mean, it, we're constantly looking for ways to improve that outreach and educational uh, uh, um 
the educational outreach for folks to know what they need to and do. Part of so. it is for this specific reason. You know what the other side's going to say. You know what their attack is going to t- take the shape of. So you try to cut it off while you can right at the beginning. Yeah, and I think if you want to sit there and say that you're sort of an impartial uh, judge, obviously Boesberg is not. Uh, but if <laughs> if you wanted if you wanted to make that. Or if you wanted to make that clear, you, you need to be able to cite all the statistics yeah. and then come down on your decision. But there was no statistic, the fact that less than 2,000 people have re-enrolled of that 18,000. Where are those 16,000? The 12-plus thousands that have been connected to work, none of those statistics were cited, uh, which I think gives me a lot of concern uh, uh, for that particular judge. And obviously, I think you're going to see the same with the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. All right, let's get to the news, and we'll be back. You know, when you uh, have your car break down and it's like 5, 6, 10, 15, 25 years old, like mine is, uh, and, and you don't want to buy a new car because you don't want a new car payment every month for 5 to 7 years, uh, then the best way to take care of that is to head over to Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts, and Get the recycled auto part you need. For instance, a motor. Uh, when these cars are declared, you know, a total loss vehicle, doesn't mean that the engine wasn't working in them when uh, they were in the wreck. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the engine at all. Uh, and that's why uh, RD, uh, the owner of Sunny's, goes out and buys these cars and takes the pieces of the equipment that are still working. Uh, they put them through tests to make sure that they're good, and then they'll sell them to you to put into your automobile, and they even have the, the laborers to do that for you. They offer guarantees and warranties that you can have for your parts, and your car can be uh, basically running like new. Mine does. I've got a brand. I, I call it brand new, but it's a uh, an engine from a total loss of vehicle. The transmission is from a total loss of vehicle, and uh, it has a taillight from a total loss uh, vehicle. Bottom line, it runs perfect. In fact, I was just talking to Joe over Joe's Garage today, was telling him that the engine that I have is getting better gas mileage than my uh, old engine did. And he said to me, well, Dave, you know, its tongue's not hanging out like it was in your your old car because you ran the other one until it died. And it was getting about 18 miles to a gallon. And this new engine that's been put in by Sonny's getting right around 24 to 25 miles. Oh, my. That's a big gallon. difference. It's a huge difference. Wow. And it's great. And, uh, and I'm loving it. But the bottom line, this can happen for you as well. You save a lot of money. I, I tell you, when I, just putting that engine and putting that transmission in was just right around five grand for both parts. That's not bad at all. You put... You know, brand new parts, in, and you're looking at ten thousand or more. Nine eight two seven four fifty one is the number to call. Nine eight two seven four five one. That's Sunny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. Yep. Also, uh, remind the listeners they can also have their mechanic. Yeah, you call you, in. You can have uh, if you have a mechanic you'd like to do it. Uh, if they'll call RD, RD will talk to them if he knows them. Knows that they do a good job. Uh, they'll stand behind and their warranties and, and guarantees with it. They'll yeah. deliver the parts to the mechanic. To, oh, yeah, too, to okay. them, yeah. They'll send it to the shop. I mean, Joe uses RD. So does Duck. So do most mechanics around the area. Because it's a, it's a way to save going. money. You know, it's a yeah. way to save a lot of money, to be honest. 
All right, J.R. Davis is our guest. J.R. is, of course, uh, the governor's spokesperson. J.R., there, there's been uh, an interesting uh, uh, piece of legislation that's been kind of used as a, a badminton. It's House Bill 1342 dealing with the used car tax. The House passed this thing with a supermajority. I mean, we're talking bipartisan, 87 votes for it. They send it over to the Senate. And uh, it gets waylaid in the Senate. It's getting held up. Does, has, does the governor weigh in on some of these bills? I mean, this is a really good win-win, I think, for the Republican Party where we get to say, look at here, middle, um, you know, middle Arkansan. Uh, we stand for you. We don't want you to have to pay sales tax until 7500 bucks. Yeah, I think, it's, uh, uh, I think the governor sees it as a, as a good bill. But I think in this particular session, with everything that we've already done, it comes down to the budget. And we have a Revenue Stabilization Act, which means we have to be able to uh, you know, match up what we're spending and the appropriations versus what we actually take in. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it would be about a $12.5 million impact to the budget. But, and, but, and, it, but, but not to, for two years. There was an amendment added to it. doesn't happen for two right, years. Right, right. Well, I understand that. But I think there's a lot of things, too, that we've passed so far in this session that would do the exact same thing. We've got corporate income taxes that wouldn't go into effect for two years. Uh, we've got the ninety uh, or the $100 million um, income tax cut that is phased over, I think, two or three years, um, and so, so on and so forth. So I think in this case it was just, hey, look, this is a good idea. Let's Let's – but let's hold off. Let's finish what we have in this session. Let's take a look at it for you know maybe 2021. But I get it. Uh, you know, sometimes there's a lot of really great things uh, that we want to be able to do, including uh, the school choice uh, uh, demonstration project, which would be about five million or three and a half million dollars a year. So there, there's money coming out of all uh, of all aspects. I think if this was something that was maybe brought up. Uh, probably towards the beginning of the session. It was something maybe we could work through. But I think right now we're two weeks out of session. We've got to get the RSA signed. Uh, and right now that's a pretty big hit to the budget. Uh, even in two years when you're calculating all the other uh, um, uh, you know, cuts that are coming over the next two to four years. So uh, that was that's the governor's perspective on it. It's nothing to do with, uh, with, with the merits of the bill at this point in time. It just, it just strictly comes down to the budget. And, and that's, that's what... You have to take a look at. It. I think one of the hardest parts of governing is is the budget because you you want to be able to slash where you can, but you also have to be able to fund those essential services, and that's what the governor is trying to do is just make sure that we uh, we're, we're able to do that and and have a responsible approach to budgeting. And if we can do that in the next general session, that's something we definitely want to look at. So. Okay, all right. So you're saying in two years. You know, we're looking at 2021. The next general session. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, I think that's something that you could certainly take a look at and say maybe this is a good thing to do now. And maybe it's not phased over. Maybe we do it in a year versus, you know, over two years. Just It just depends. It's a different climate at that point in time. There's just, look, if I had more time to sit here and write down on paper every single thing that's come through this legislature so far that's going to cost money, uh, even uh, after the governor pr- had his budget presentation, which is going to change things up in the, in the Revenue Stabilization Act, uh, that that's kind of where we are. And, and I think that's the most difficult part of it is saying this is a good bill, but the financial impact right now is 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 too heavy for the state to move forward uh, and the budget implications are real. And I think that's where you have to start cutting things in Category B, which are essential. And obviously in an economic downturn, you start cutting things out of Category A. Uh, those essentially 
those those the the sort of the main funding, education, public safety, that sort of thing. So uh, I, I know I get it. We're in this time of the session though, where there's a lot of things filed at the end that would have a financial impact. Uh, and I think if it was brought forward earlier, that's something we could have worked through. But but we're in a uh, like I said, we're about two weeks or less away from finishing uh, the session, wrapping things up with the Revenue Stabilization All Act. Right. So you're feeling comfortable, the governor's feeling comfortable that this can be done and wrapped up in two weeks uh, with this justice so. decision? It's not going to well, no, muddy because, the water? Well, I think the House is, is if I'm correct, uh, uh, if the House is in session tomorrow, I believe. Yes, um, so they in would, the morning. Yeah, so they'll, I believe they'll take up the appropriations vote tomorrow morning. And I don't expect there to be. There's, I'm sure there will be debate, as there always is, especially on you know three quarter vote. Um, but I don't expect that to be in any sort of jeopardy. And then after that, obviously, we have transformation that is working its way through. It's in the uh, Senate state agencies at this point. Once it gets out, uh, we'll vote on that, and that'll be the last major agenda item on the governor's agenda. We'll sign that and get out. But uh, those revenue stabilization talks are already underway. Uh, and, and I think that's really the biggest issue is that at some point we've got to have a concrete budget in place. And when these sort of last-minute uh, pieces of legislation come through that would take a major cut to that biennium. And remember, we work on a biennium budget. Uh, so even the second year of the biennium, there's a cut there. It's really tough to figure out where that's going to come from when you're already in the process of trying to put forth an, an RSA for approval of both chambers. Well. We'll, we'll, I get it. We'll agree to disagree here. That's fine. Twelve million dollars and an eight point seven or a five point seven billion dollar budget, basically. Is well, let me let me tell you how many times what you just said yeah. comes up with every legislation. Well, I'm sure it does. How much is ten million or twenty million in a in a five? I get it does add up. It's not like you, you know, it's a start. But uh, you pull up the couch cushion and find you know twelve million dollars. It is difficult. You have to rearrange things. You have to take stuff from others. And so it, it's a it is a difficult process, and so I get it. Uh, but, but I certainly we need, understand. We need to make some cuts, though. I mean, government is growing; taxes is, are going up. This, this is the I feel like this is deja vu. We did this two weeks ago. Yeah, right? I, I agree with you, Paul. We need to. I agree with you. But like I said before, there are three major major driving issues with the budget, and it's education, public safety. We talked about that exhaustion with adequacy. <laughs> Uh, Medicaid and healthcare, which is only going to be solved when something happens at the federal level, and then of course you've got prisons, and 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 uh, I think prisons is the is the third pillar there. So those are the reasons that the budget goes up. We've cut agencies' budgets. We we did it in the first year by one percent, and then we've done it uh, across the board cut in year one, and we've continued to do cuts uh, in in the last several budgets of each agency. So we're we're making those cuts. We've, we've eliminated nearly 1,500 positions out of the governor's uh, uh, executive branch employees. Um, we're, we're making some consolidations. That's what transformation's about. So we are making those, those cuts, and we are making those, those consolidations where we're not having to s- duplicate spending with administrative costs and, say, DF&A and then AEDC or whatever. That's what this whole transformation plan is all about. Hopefully that will make a difference. I think it will make a difference. And we've been very conservative in our estimates of $15 million a year. I think it will be well above that once you actually get these things in place and you're sharing those administrative costs versus you know, the, that duplicative spending that you see throughout state government, also including reform to procurement. So there's a lot of things that are going on. We, you know, the governor's... The Republican, uh, uh, the Republican governor's office and the Republican legislature have been intact together for four years. It takes a whole lot longer for us to undo what has been done over the last 138 years. So I think we're making really good progress. We're going to continue to look at that. I think future Republican governors are going to continue to build off that. 
but we'll get there. Um, but I think there are, there are two of those three that are very big deals, and that is education adequacy. We've got to respond to that and figure out what's next, and also healthcare spending, which again cannot be fixed until the federal government does something about it. When would will we start seeing that money from the uh, the reorganization? Uh, I think um, I want to say probably within two years start seeing some so of that. Twenty twenty one, probably somewhere around then. Uh, it, it wasn't obviously in this budget, uh, but I think in the next biennium you'll start seeing that that those savings. Uh, so that's twenty twenty, right? I mean, that would be well. So it's the twenty. It's the nineteen twenty one. So probably the twenty. Yeah, twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two. If okay. I'm correct. So yeah, you'll start seeing some of those savings. Should uh, again, it may take a little longer, but the governor has very laser focused in getting this done as quickly as possible so we can start seeing the benefits of that and he realizes too that he's you know here for four more years and he wants to get as much of that done as possible uh, so we don't leave it for the next person uh, that'll be in that office so we're we're laser focused he's working every day to make sure that once this passes we get all that in place um, but, but certainly I think you're going to see I mean even in the shared services we're talking about software where you have a lot of agencies who have the same software but different uh, sort of packages, if you will, or and, and so they're all paying different prices, or or there's the same prices collectively yeah. instead of an, or, you know, or maybe you have one contract for printers and, and copying yeah. machines, yeah. And, and, and that's the things thing of that nature, and all those can. things are what we're going to look at, especially with the uh, Department of Transformation and Shared Services. That'll be key, uh, sort of like a one-stop shop for all agencies, whether it's procurement. Uh, uh, employee benefits, well, real estate, and, uh, and wherever else. Just, yeah, just uh, uh, yeah. Building space. authority. I mean, everything that you know. Um, I'm trying to think. Those are the worst examples that I just gave. But but uh, HR, IT, all that will be there, and, sure. and that'll be a really really big deal. All right, we got to get our final break in. Let's do that. We'll come back for just a few moments for some closing remarks. Right here on the Dave Ellswick Show, our special guest, J.R. Davis, the spokesman for the governor's office. We're on the third floor, house side of the state capitol. Back in a moment. All right. Earlier uh, during the week, uh, the governor unveiled a new program. I think it's SB 620, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Oh, pretty good. That's huh? pretty with impressive. All, with all the stuff that's going on right now. <laughs> I still remember the numbers. But uh, dealing with school choice, and uh, I was... I'm a good. I'm a. I'm a friend of Joyce Elliott, and I, I like her as a person. But sometimes she says stuff that is just really stupid. And to compare SB 620 to the Tuskegee experiments in Alabama was beyond the pale the other day. That there, yeah. she should offer uh, a sorry on that one, an apology. Yeah, I I, I thought that was uh, a little much to say the least. I mean, I I think what we're trying to do, and I get it. She's she is. Uh, First of all, an incredible le- legislator. Yeah, she she's should. incredibly smart. This, this is one of her um, babies. This is, and she's very passionate uh, about education and obviously Little Rock School District and Pulaski County. So I have the utmost respect in the world for, for Senator Elliott. She's wrong, but this is one of her babies. But, <laughs> right. But, but yeah, and, and so I just want to make sure that, that I'm on record saying that. I, I will say that um, obviously when you have something like this that is, again, a change in the status quo uh, and something that we've debated for a long time in this capital. Uh, you're going to have passions on both sides. And from our perspective, the whole goal of this, and we'll talk about 620. I know there was another one, uh, SB 539, which was, I think, Blake Johnson. Was that? I think that was the Democrats. She spoke for that. Okay. Well, there was another bill, I believe, that Blake Johnson ran. Okay. I uh, But it was, was, I think, the original school choice, which would have been statewide. Okay. But anyway, so... um, 
but 620 specifically, the governor's like his perspective is, hey, let's we need to do this, and we we at least need to do it to find out if it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've seen different um, cases from Milwaukee to Chicago, and and you know, New Orleans. I mean. We Washington, need to see Washington, D.C. Let's see if it works. And that's what this whole entire, it's called the Capital Promise Scholarship Program. Uh, and what that does, it's 500 spots, and that's 500 spots for five years. It's not 500 spots each year. It's for that individual Correct. student to kind of progress throughout the system. Um, and uh, and we're talking in, in a uh, county, you know, Pulaski County, the state's largest county, where there's 40,000-plus students. So, so and the, where they need to do something. And they need to do something. But when you're talking about really what's going to be the the negative impact on these school districts, I, I think very minimal uh, when you're talking about 500 spots. But what this will allow us to do is is really measure uh, whether or not this works and this is needed on a statewide basis. Uh, and, and, and quite frankly, the goal of this is to say if, if you were a low-income family, your student should have the same opportunities that – you know, uh, more affluent families have, yeah, and, and, and student every gets. student should should be able to have the opportunity to reach his or her potential, and that's what we feel like this this bill does. This capital scholarship program, uh, it, it obviously allows a a parent if they reach uh, their families reach certain thresholds. I think one is the uh, school lunch or breakfast if they if their financial. Um, uh, or if their income is is at or below that, and they qualify right. for it, and the student resides here in Pulaski County, uh, and that they attended a public school the year before, they would be able to uh, um, go for one of those spots, and the state would basically take that funding and move it with the student to a charter school, to a private school, whatever uh, their choice is, uh, to give them that opportunity where they otherwise wouldn't have it. But the other cool part about this program particularly is that it gives these students also a pathway to secondary education, to higher education. And so what we're saying is if you graduate, if you have one of these spots and you graduate in this program, then we're going to provide funding for you to go to college at one of the higher education institutions within Pulaski County. So University of Arkansas, Pulaski Tech, uh, UALR, Shorter College, um, uh, Philander Smith. I mean, there's, uh, I believe, Baptist. So there's there's these this opportunity that not only are we going to allow you to try to reach your potential uh, in, in K through 12, but also we want to give you the opportunity to move beyond that and, and go for So is it, about, uh, is it a voucher higher. for the college, for the university as well? Uh, or how it, does that work? It would, be, it would come out of the governor's discretionary funds. Uh, so that's, what, that's, where, that's where the funding for higher education aspect would go mm-hmm. into place. The foundation funding is what would follow the students uh, K through 12 that to the charter. $7,500. Something like that, yeah. Okay. So that's what would follow them to the, the private school of their choice or you know, charter school, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, look. There are those who think that this is dismantling the public schools. It's not. I think, if anything, it provides competition. Well, and, and if these schools feel like that they're in jeopardy, they, they, it puts a fire under right. them. And, and I will last, say this. Last question when, when he gets oh, yeah. done. Yeah. As my last finish. point is, there are, I can't say this enough, there are so many good schools within Pulaski County and within the Little Rock School District, so many good schools. There are those, though, that continue to fail their students. And generation after generation, grade after grade, that continues to happen. We've got to give them an out. We've got to give them options, and that's what this bill does. Well, and the thing is, so, you know, if, if this was universally available, if parents had the right to choose, this is a pro-choice idea, if parents had the right to choose how to educate their children, yes, some bad schools might go out of business. Public schools 
may go go away. Is that such a bad thing? Is it such a bad thing for parents to make choices in the best interest of their children and basically do away with these um, socialist well, institutions? Well, the other, the other yeah. question is, is if you change to something else and suddenly you're finding the kids are learning much better, so... What's the big deal then? Yeah. yeah, I think that's got to be the focus as we move forward in this demonstration project, and that focus should absolutely be <laughs> and it what money. is best for the students. Right. And, and How are they learning? Is the status quo working? And it's not. Uh, let's do something different. So that's got to be the focus, and, and that's hopefully what will come from this uh, legislation. All right. Well, sir, I'll see you again next Thursday. We thank you for joining us today it's at always the Capitol. Fun. We had enough to talk about today. We did. <laughs> we had plenty to talk about. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys. All right. Big break, and then we'll be back after the news. Josh Miller is our next guest from the House. We'll talk to him when we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. See you guys. All right. We move into the 3 o'clock hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show, third floor of the Capitol on the House side. And uh, joining us for the first time during this session, which is kind of a abnormal thing. Normally this guy comes in and, and joins us right off the bat, but you've been quiet this time, Representative Miller. What's going on? Did you lose your voice? Uh, no, Dave, it's... Uh... <laughs> It's an honor to be on with you. Uh, just been working behind the scenes and uh, showing up, doing my job, and, and I don't know, not so, making a lot of noise. Sometimes, so, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes it pays to be uh, behind doing all the all the grunt work and not being just the tip of the spear. Hopefully it'll pay. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Well, let, let, I wanted you to come on after I heard what happened uh, federally in the court systems yesterday, and that is that uh, Arkansas Works was found by a federal judge uh, to be a no-no, you know, that, that you shouldn't be able to do that. 
Now, I knew right from the very beginning that it would be appealed. I did not know that we're not the ones who appeal it. It's the Trump administration that will appeal it. So I'm expecting that their their goal is going to be to try to fast-track this up to the Supreme Court because there's a lot of states that want to do exactly what we've been doing with this uh, whole thing about having to, to work to get uh, to get Medicaid. Uh, what was your thoughts? I, from what I've talked to with the people that are here, no big surprise to anybody that uh, an Obama judge uh, struck it down. That's right. There, I don't think there were very many of us that were surprised uh, by the ruling. It uh, it is disappointing uh, because the work requirements were, in my opinion, the the one little glimmer of conservatism uh, involving Arkansas Works. And, well, that was the problem. That, that, was, <laughs> that was that was about it. Was the uh, other than that, it's. Uh, it's just not been uh, it's not been good. All right, so J.R. Davis, the governor, spokesman, was on just before you, and I asked him what this meant, and it means that we go back to before Arkansas works as far as uh, uh, Medicaid expansion is concerned, and it will stay that way uh, until. It's changed, if it's changed. If it gets before the Supreme Court, I've got pretty good feelings that it'll, it'll hold muster with the Supreme Court. I, you know, D.C. courts, they're going to they're gonna go against us. So that's, that's probably the case. Uh, Arkansas, unfortunately, in 2013, instead of doing just regular Medicaid expansion, we did the private option, and then uh, Governor Hutchison inherited that and transformed it into Arkansas Works, basically the same thing. Tried to do the, the conservative aspect of, of work requirements and so forth. Um, but where we buy the private insurance for, uh, for the folks that are on the Medicaid expansion rolls, and that, you know, it was, I'm willing to say, uh, for those who supported it, I've never supported it. I know you uh, haven't. But, it, you know, you can say it was a novel idea, maybe one worth trying. We've tried it, and it's proven to be the absolute most expensive method of providing health care, health coverage uh, to this segment of the population. And we've got to make some changes. Uh, otherwise, you know, I, I just I don't see how much longer... Uh, the state's going to be able to keep this up. Uh, we're not uh, we're not serving our most vulnerable populations as it is, uh, because we're taking care of working aged, able bodied adults by spending uh, right at six hundred dollars a month per person uh, for them to have free insurance. Wow, that's better than teacher insurance or state employee insurance. Yeah. So the the question becomes. Where do we go now that this judge has struck down Arkansas Works? In effect, we're back to 2013 again. I mean, is is are we going to see another 2013 type fight? I doubt it. Um, I I've never been a supporter of Medicaid expansion. I don't believe that Medicaid was set up to serve able-bodied working-age adults. Uh, however. You know, it's here. 
and it's 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 almost like uh, I'm going to use a maybe a bad analogy, but it's almost like uh, crack. Mm-hmm. And you you give you give a child crack uh, if they're a crack baby when they're born, they're addicted to it, and uh, and it's hard to wean off. And that's where our 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 healthcare institution institution or <laughs> excuse me, I had a problem in my throat. Mm-hmm. That's where our healthcare institutions are right now in Arkansas. They've gotten hooked on this. Yep. And unfortunately, it's not going to be something that we can just uh, end. If I would be all for ending it today, but I don't think that's I they're don't gonna, think that's likely. They're, We're going to have to transition. They're going to scream, and unfortunately, there's an awful lot of elected officials who don't like to hear the baby scream. Uh, I, I'm sorry, are, I didn't are, catch there's, on. There's a, they're going to scream, and unfortunately, a lot of the elected officials don't like to hear these babies scream. Yeah, the people who are right. on Medicaid expansion exactly. right now. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I was talking to a, a senator whose name will stay unknown right now, but here's what he told me, because I asked him about 2013, are we going back to that again and have to fight it out all over again? And he said, be honest with you, Dave, I would if I thought that the other guys had the balls to make the change. They don't have it. And, and I, I concur with the unknown senator. Okay. I mean, I'm just saying that's exactly I, I, what he that, said to me. I'm, and, and I agree 100%. Uh, I, would, I would join in and fight, but it's, the reality is that's not going to happen. We don't have, uh, you know, we, we don't have the number of conservatives now that we had in 2013. We didn't have enough in 2013 to prevent it. Uh, that's why and I'm And you guys did everything you could, and in 2015, well... I guess it was, uh, was it 2015? 2014. 14. People mm-hmm. came back and had fought so hard and lost that they just kind of threw their hands up and said, we're going to lose again. Why should we just do this and bang our head against the wall? Well, and that's, and that's exactly right. I mean, I think, I feel like I've been down here for six years banging my head against the, against the wall, but, uh, uh, but that's why I introduced uh, House Bill 1929. And that's why I asked you to come on. I want you to talk about this. This is a right. breath of fresh air here. Go for it. Well, uh, as, as crazy as I feel for, for introducing this, this is uh, a Medicaid expansion bill that would, uh, in effect, eliminate Arkansas Works. And by that, I mean we, we get rid of the insurance companies. And we transition this population right now. It's got roughly 270-something thousand individuals on it. We transition them over to regular Medicaid and a fee-for-service uh, type payout system, uh, just like just like what traditional Medicaid is. Right. Uh, that's the main aspect of the bill. The other aspect is I understand. I've talked with enough Medicaid providers, enough health care providers, uh, that Medicaid reimbursement rates uh, are Stink. they're they're horrible. They're absolutely horrible. And what the private option in Arkansas Works has done has created a two tier system of Medicaid patients. You've got traditional Medicaid patients, that being most of them, your elderly, medically frail, uh, and disabled, who have had harder times finding uh, providers, provi- finding doctors. There's a ton of doctors in our state that will not accept new Medicaid patients. 
Correct. Uh, because the reimbursement rates are low. Uh, and then, it, but every doctor wants to accept folks on Arkansas Works mm. because they're, uh, the private insurance is paying a little more and they do better. So uh, the other aspect of my bill is that it will uh, create a task force. And I may have thrown up a little bit in my mouth saying that word, <laughs> uh, but, but it does. It, it, a task force consisting of legislators and uh, one designee from every type of Medicaid provider uh, that will meet the rest of this year and examine Medicaid reimbursement rates and and make a make a, a proposal or suggestions to DHS uh, by the end of the year or by the beginning of the fiscal session next year, and then on July one of twenty twenty, uh, we would in effect end the insurance coverage on this population, transitioning them over to fee-for-service. And I've been asked, why would I want to do that? It's plain and simple. Uh, It saves a ton of taxpayer money, hundreds of millions. In the law right now, basically the insurance companies are guaranteed a 20% profit market. Uh, I'm just a simple guy, and I did the math. We're spending roughly $2 billion dollars right now on these 270,000 people. 20% of $2 billion is a chunk of money. Is $400 million. It's a lot of money. That's, that's going for what the insurance companies will call administrative cost. Wow. So we could, we could actually legalize the sale of used cars without sales tax. We, we could do a lot of things. <laughs> uh, we could pave our roads. Yeah, that's we could a do, big thing. We could do a lot of things. Now, uh, something to think about is next year, in 2020, the state of Arkansas has to start paying 10% of the cost of the program. That means that roughly $40 million, if costs don't go up, $40 million out of state revenue will go to pay profit for the insurance companies. That doesn't take care of one sick person or anything else other than line the pockets of two insurance companies and nothing against the insurance companies but that that's just bad business that doesn't make sense to continue doing that well we shouldn't be picking winners and losers and we shouldn't be shipping off money to insurance companies i'm all about that you know one of the ideas of insurance is that you you spread out risk and if you're big enough it does not make sense to have insurance because you're already doing the same thing as insurance. Because, you know, I, I'm a landlord. I have several properties. I'm probably not to the point where it makes a whole lot of sense for me to just totally self-insure my properties. But, you know, if I had a 1,000 properties, it probably wouldn't make an awful lot of sense for me to actually have fire insurance because I've got so many, I would have so many properties that I could actually absorb it instead of paying the many tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of insurance every year for those properties. And so Arkansas, I think, is big enough to eliminate the need for insurance and just pay, like you said, fee-for-service. I think that makes more sense. I, I, it, 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 it does because there's no, 
there's one of the risks that I see moving forward, continuing the private insurance model, is that one of these days Congress is going to act. Mm-hmm. They're going to realize that they cannot keep printing money, and they're going to look at the states who have expanded Medicaid under Obamacare, and they're going to say, um, you know, you've got to start paying the traditional uh, 30% match rate, do the 70-30 match rate. Uh, when that happens, obviously, I mean, we, we can't afford 10%. That there, blows up our budget. There's 30, no way that we can afford 30. 30% but, of $2 billion is is that's $600 million. It, it, it's, a, it's a lot. And so um, what concerns me is you put a future legislature in a, in a real tough spot because the insurance companies are not going to want to turn loose of $400 million of profit. Mm-hmm. And they're going to buy the votes necessary to keep it. And I yeah, see we've that, seen that happen, haven't we, we? We've seen it happen a few times. And there's no reason to think that they wouldn't continue to do that. Um, and so I, I believe that it's just a lot safer. It makes more sense, especially with the judge's ruling, uh, that, that we, we, we can say, look, we tried the private insurance model. It hasn't worked. It's not saved us money. Uh, it's 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 made some folks a lot of money, but it's not saved the state of Arkansas any money, nor the federal government. And we've got to look uh, we've got to look at another method. And and this is what's available to us. All right, let's continue our discussion with uh, Representative Josh Miller here in just a moment. But first, we have these for you. All right, we're talking with State Representative Josh Miller. He has uh, put a bill forward. It is House Bill 1929, an act to create the Medicaid Expansion Efficiency Act of 2019. It would effectively get rid of Arkansas Works, and uh, we'd get a uh, pay-for-play kind of thing here that would save the state a whole lot of money. You know, what do you say to the people that... um, you know, well, Dave, these people can't afford to pay for everything that they do under Medicaid. What do you What do you say to those folks? Well, I, the 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 individuals that are on the program that are receiving Arkansas Works insurance right now, uh, nothing is going to change for them. They're still going to have. They're still going to maintain coverage. Uh, they're They're just not going to have a either a Blue Cross or a Centene insurance card. Uh, they're going to have a they're going to have a Medicaid card, and so when they go to the doctor or the hospital, uh, you know their 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 situation now is going to be uh, the same moving forward. They're still going to be covered. Okay. It's just going to be saving the state basically a minimum of twenty percent on our cost. Is there anything that we can do as a legislature to quit funneling money to insurance? Agent or insurance companies? I think this bill uh, will do that. Will, will do that uh, in effect. It'd be the the biggest stop on on giving giving uh, tax money to insurance companies that we've done in the state of Arkansas. All right, so you just made enemies of Blue Cross Blue Shields. Probably so. <laughs> uh, and you know, and I don't mean to make. I want to be clear. I don't mean to make enemies. Uh, it's just our job as a legislature 
to be uh, efficient and responsible with the taxpayer money that we're entrusted with. And the private insurance model has not been the most uh, financially responsible method of providing coverage to these folks. All right, so I see you got one co-sponsor. McCollum is on the bill with you. How about in the Senate? Uh, Senator Kim Hammer is going to pick it up in the Senate. Okay. Uh, if we're able to get it over there. And I'm feeling optimistic that we will. And so I think I think we're going to be in for an interesting next few days. All right. Well, the governor wasn't real thrilled with uh, House Bill 1342, the used car tax. And it had superior support in the House. More, more support going to the Senate than I've seen uh, in the past. And they still killed it in committee, although uh, it, it, we still got a couple weeks going. It could still be brought back up again. Uh, how do you feel about the Senate? Do you think that it's going to be tougher in the Senate? Well, a, a lot of times, yeah, stuff is always tougher in the Senate, it seems like, for House members. But uh, I wouldn't say that the used car sales tax bill is, is dead just yet. And uh, there's still a few things at play. Um, you know, I think it's a shame uh, that it wasn't voted out. It had 80-something co-sponsors yes. in the House. Uh, that's, that's amazing. The, that's the voice of the, the, the voice people, of people for sure. right there. Did, did any bill, any other bill get that many co-sponsors? I don't think session? so. I don't know. And, and if they did, they certainly wouldn't be held up in the Senate. Yeah, <laughs> you're right about that. Josh, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks so much for coming by and joining us today. I'll let you go and uh, let you get back to the people's business. It's always an honor, Dave. Thank All right, you. Thank you. All right, let's take a break. We've got to get uh, get the break so that we can uh, uh, get the news in, then we'll come back. Uh, we're understanding that Senator Bob Ballinger will be by to talk to us today, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, State Representative Mary Bentley. Yeah, she should it be on here in a few minutes. She'll be coming to join us between 3.30 and 4. 4 o'clock. i got to play who's on first. i got to get it in. i got to get Abbott and Costello in. It's the first baseball day of season. baseball. So I'm a huge baseball fan. We'll get that in for you as well. There's a lot more to come. Third floor on the house side of the Capitol here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back with more after the news. Hey, by the way, you know, we passed that freedom of speech bill. Uh, kind of right out of the, the slot, page 14 of the platform, Republican platform, says, Arkansas Republicans believe the right of free speech includes the ability for our citizens to vote their resources to whatever cause or candidate they support. We're opposed to any restrictions that would discourage our Kansans from fully exercising their First Amendment rights or limit their commitment to their beliefs. And we further oppose any state or federal efforts to impair or impair the Arkansans' free speech rights guaranteed in the Constitution and upheld by the Supreme Court. So, uh, nice job to the Arkansas Republican Party. Good deal. You know, Representative Selva got to join the president in the race. I know. Yeah, I was I was envious. Mm, me too. I would have liked to gone and <laughs> uh, and taken part in that. That would have been fun. But I did get to see the bill uh, signed. I. I, I, I worked with uh, with Dan and with Kim Hammer and with Bob Ballinger on uh, what I thought should happen on a college campus, and they came through in spades, man. They did really good, Mary. Yeah, it was a great, great bill. It was so, really, yeah. Universities don't like it, but you know what? I don't really care. 
<laughs> I don't care. Well, I think what happened in Jonesboro was key, and that was what we needed. Yeah, it really yeah. did. Yeah. You needed really, something you know, to be needed, a catalyst. Yeah, yeah exactly right. You know, some, some, some facts to look at, not just So you take your magnesium and putting some water on it. <laughs> it burns hot, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, yeah. bottom line is this. You, you had some uh, legislation you came on and talked about Correct. early on. I wanted to, you to bring us up to date. What's going on with the food stamp bill? Well, we had the uh, SNAP bill we brought forth to limit the uh, purchase of soft drinks and candy, uh, energy drinks on there. Uh, Failed in the House floor, was adamantly lobbied. Uh, Those folks there from the Arkansas State Chamber up in the VIP area looking down on folks that day was very well lobbied against those, the grocery store owners and those folks. Um, So I uh, had the vote expunged, sent it back to committee. We were going to narrow it. I had, you know... you know, me, the business owner, trying to make things as easy as I can. I thought, well, lim- we'll make the same list of the Cokes and candies that we did with the um, tax. We have to increase for uh, non-tax foods. Maybe that'll keep it simpler. I add prepared foods on there because I think a senior citizen, you know, to get a rotisserie chicken is a good thing to do. So I add that, which made I lost some votes over that. I wasn't realizing that was a big thing. Folks thought, well, now they can go to McDonald's and get a burger. So I lost some votes there. So we're going to bring back to committee, narrow it down just to soft drinks and see what we can do. I don't know if you guys yeah. saw. The editorial on the day after the vote. I did not. Yeah, and an article in there from the American Academy of Pediatrics definitely saying we should have policies by legislators on the state and federal level to limit sugary drinks and soft drinks uh, with EBT. Yeah, crap. So, yeah. I'm mean, leading. <laughs> My you know, word, we, not yours. Yeah, well, here's the deal that I put out. In Arkansas, in the ages of 15 to 19-year-olds, we have a 50% higher rate of diabetes than the national average. Wow. 50% higher than oh, wow. the national average in 15 to 19 year olds we have an epidemic of diabetes and 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 why i mean let's look at it i mean for heaven's sakes why are we using, and and the thing that killed me the most day was 70 percent of our our kansans our taxpayers supported the bill and yet but they don't have paid lobbyists down here right and so we know that's where things go yeah, that is, you guys that, have been here long enough you know you know what no, happens I know how so, it works yeah so it's sad we you know those guys are out there hard, working hard every day it's just common sense i'm a common sense legislator and i'm, I'm not gonna quit so, till we Make some changes. So before you were telling us that, you know, among regular people, the biggest or the the number one food item that people buy with their own money is milk. Right. Whereas the number one food item, if it qualifies as food, among SNAP recipients, or SNAP um, expenditures, is actually Recipient. soft drinks. Yes, that's the number one item purchase is soft drinks. That's dumb. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's just a lifestyle, it's, and that's what I'm saying. That's why it's going to take something big to change it. I mean, we can't look in our state and say we're spending $1.25 billion annually on obesity-related diseases, yet we're going to use our tax dollars to support that. It's a subsidy. We're subsidizing beverage companies, and, you know, that's where I'm at with it. I'm just, like I said, a common-sense person. To me, it's a good start. It's a good way to educate and say, hey, why are, we not do- why are we not doing this? It's a good spot to do some teaching right there, and this is why. Well, so that's where we're at. All we right. got... We got our things screwed up when we allowed people, instead of just going down to the, the government distribution center right. and get staples, right. that they could go to the store themselves and buy whatever they wanted, and then they, they expanded it. That's the problem with the government program. It never stays static. It always, right, always wants expands. to get bigger. Yeah. Well, here, yeah, because back then, Dave, we were buying things at wholesale. And yes. so the tax dollars were, be, were doing a better job of spending our money. We're buying things at wholesale. Now we're buying at retail, and we want to cut back a little bit. And, dear Lord, let's not do that. People are just screaming. I used to watch people you know? come from that, and and uh, I don't know where they got that can of peanut butter from. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that thing looked like it weighed eight pounds. <laughs> yeah. 
Sure. It's a big old thing, and you can still get big ones, but not like that. Right. But you went in, you got loaves of bread, you got sure. rice, you got Cheese. potatoes. Yeah. That's the thing. So you got stuff that you could make healthy meals out of. Right. Now, you can go to Pizza Hut. Something yeah. wrong with it. I'm just exactly. telling you, something well, wrong with that. Well, like you said, I'll keep fighting. You know, I'm a fighter, keep so fighting. Yeah, we'll keep fighting on it. We did get our one pass with the um, work requirements. I think it's a good bill because we have huge poverty in our state and I think it's a great bill to get folks into training that we've got we've got 166,000 jobs uh, projected to be created in our state let's get folks ready to fill those jobs and get their families out of poverty so that's where I'm at trying to defeat poverty and, and so, unhealthiness in our state well, right, so. tell us what that last the second bill, the SNAP bill, was right now is we have work in this no no needed approval. It's already recommend already allowed uh, through CMS. If right now, if you're an able-bodied adult that's on SNAP, you're on it for 90 days. Then you've got to be in employment and training. So, but if you had any dependents, then you were not required to do it. I just said if your kids are in school, if they're school age, then you should be mandated to go yeah. to the employment training, and get yourself a job. Yeah, don't get we get all kinds of well, you know. I say watch soap operas, but soap well, operas aren't there anymore. <laughs> well, here's the thing: is you know, <laughs> the best way for kids to learn how to work is to watch their parents work. Is a good thing. I Absolutely. think it's healthy and whole, and it helps. It encourages people to do better. It helps um, them be dignified. Well, it helps them to work, increase work their self morale and who, who they are, and they're great people. And I think it's, lots of times, this is how do we get that first step? What's the first step? And it's a way to, for them to get the first step and to get a better job. So. You had a question. Go ahead. No, no, I got well, one I was, final just, question uh, for just the, the the fact is that work is dignifying. Yes, it, it makes is. you a better person. Makes you like yourself better. Sure. And just receiving free stuff from yeah. your neighbors. That's why the word of God says, "If you don't work, you don't eat." I'm gonna get, you, I'm gonna get you a shirt so. I've got. All right. I can get you on. It says freedom, not free stuff. Right. And, you know, nothing's free. And we're gonna, we're That's learning exactly that even with right. this minimum wage and all that stuff we can talk on and all that things are, you know, lots to talk about. Appreciate you guys a bunch having me on is today. Is there any chance the minimum wage stuff is going to pass? I hope so. The teenager one for sure. I mean, we're hurting ourselves. We're hurting our kids. We're hurting our economy. When you look at the amount, especially with development, uh, there's a bill there, 1821. They're talking about how much it's going to cost them with that on the next couple of years. We're talking $50, million, much money. So people aren't thinking about that. Okay, so. one last question for me. Sure. I'm going to let you go. I know you want to get back into the session. You're wide awake in there. Here you go. You ready? Yeah. What's your take on the judge's decision from yesterday? Extremely disappointing. Extremely disappointing. I mean, as we're here talking about how good work is and what's good for people. So, I, you know, again, I see absolutely no common sense in that at all. And the voters are 100% in favor of, not 100 but massively in favor of So... I'm very disappointed at some things we're going to have to look at, and that's or we can't we can't afford it. That's all there is to it. You know oh, where okay. I've voted every time yep. along the way, I so know. we'll see what we can do to get some things going. But I care about our state. I care about our health care, but it's not working, and we knew that. So, All right. How about uh, cutting money to the insurance agents? Anyway, not agents, but... Yeah. You know, Blue companies. Cross, Blue Shield. Sure. I mean, we're spending two, we're, you know, the American uh, taxpayers spend $2 billion a year here on buying those insurance premiums for 235,000 people. I'm all for, uh, I don't know if you guys see, Josh Miller's got a bill going there to he put was just those on. Yeah, I'm all in favor for Josh's bill to get my support to give us some he help was, to. He was kind of making, a, a, yeah. making the point that when you have insurance companies, they've got to make their profits. And they, yeah. they do make and their they are, profits. They're making $400 million a year, and, and, So, yeah. yeah. No, this, I. I Representative Miller and I are uh, 
on the same page. I respect him immensely and will definitely have my vote and support in the committee on that bill. I'll let you get out of here. All right. Here. Thank you, Thank guys. You. appreciate your yep. day. Have she's a good day. A, she's, she's itching. She wants to get back and fight. <laughs> All, right. All right. Let her go fight. All right. got to go take a break. Let's do that. We'll come back. we got more coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about Dwayne Smith and the Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency. His phone number is 501-819-0373. His uh, location, 3920 East Keel Avenue in Sherwood. Get your insurance policies together for your home, your cars. If you've got it bundled, take it all over there uh, to uh, Dwayne Smith's insurance agency and let them show you how they can save you money and keep you from being messed around with, with Mr. Mayhem. That's uh, Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency, 501-819-0373. We'll return here to the uh, Capitol, third floor, house side, when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we've got about 10 minutes uh, before we get to the news at the top of the hour. Uh, some good information from Mary Bentley, although she had to go back and take care of uh, changing her uh, deal dealing with foods uh, not allowed under the SNAP program, better known as the food stamp program, and uh, evidently going to allow people to be able to buy a, you know, a broasted chicken at Walmart or whatever, and, and a like few other mo- things. Mostly going to limit it to um, soft drinks now, I guess. Yeah, and which and so, it's well, something. Sometimes you ask for more, and we've talked about this, mm-hmm. and you get less. Well, and that's the thing that Republicans need to get better at. But at least that. you're getting something. Right. And I think it's really ridiculous that the, uh, you know, the lobbyists show up and sit up in the, in the eaves here and uh, yell and, and scream and, and put people under pressure to take the money that uh, taxpayers are paying and use it to buy crap. I mean, let's let's be honest. Right. Well, you can go buy Oreo cookies, you can buy ice cream, you can food. buy all you know, all kinds of stuff. Nothing that has any nutritional value and that program when you read why it's there, go back and do a little history and and Google uh, food stamps why it was passed. And it was because people weren't getting well, just look at the, sustenance. Look at the name. It's Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program is what SNAP stands for, I believe. This is for nutritional purposes. And when you're buying junk food with it, that seems pretty dumb. But to your, to your point about all these lobbyists coming down, you know, it seemed like a bit of a conflict of interest when someone's receiving a government subsidy... And then they turn around and lobby to increase the subsidy or to maintain the subsidy. Is it too unreasonable to expect or to require private industry to maybe give up some of their political advocacy powers when they're accepting government subsidies, at least in regards to those subsidies? That just does not seem fundamentally right for someone receiving a subsidy to be able to engage in political advocacy for that subsidy. I mean, that's they're, they can probably official, effectively use that subsidy to help fund their advocacy. Yeah. And that, that seems like a bit of a problem. 
and I, and I know that free speech is pretty important, but in many cases we're not talking about free speech for individuals. We're talking about free speech for corporations, and corporations are not individuals. Corporations are quasi-individuals. Well, here's the bottom line, and I would be ashamed as a business owner, okay, that unless I was, you know, giving something to the, you know, working with the military or doing roads or something like that, where I was actually um, out producing something for the government, I would be ashamed to try to take a government program and milk it for every penny that I could get out of it from the taxpayers of this country. In fact, I th- I'm, I'm almost of the opinion that I'm going to stop eating at any place that has one of those signs that says we accept EBT cards wow. uh, and, and, not, uh, and not shop there and make sure that whenever I come in and I see it, I go to the manager on duty and tell them that. If a lot of us would start doing that, and they start losing that kind of money, Mm -hmm. but, you know, could be maybe I'll have to starve because maybe so many of them are are on the dole. They're on, you know, they're on the the teat of the the mama sow over there, but it needs to stop. I I wish that there was some kind of a study done of, uh, you know, places that are selling food. Not selling sodas, not selling snack cakes, not selling ice cream or, or, or junk food, you know, that, you know and, and look, it doesn't count if you got, you just sell, a, you sell some uh, burritos or something up, f- up front in a case or whatever, because you know it and I know it, that's not what uh, is being sold there, it's junk that's being sold there. And uh, it made me sick two years ago when I saw that one grandfather who stood in front of the uh, committee and said, well, I think I should be able to take the money that I've been given and buy my grandbaby an ice cream. And I'm thinking, man, have we, we have lost our way in this country when we think that our neighbors should be buying our grandcho- our, their grandchildren ice cream that's effectively what you're asking for is when you're accepting the government subsidy you're basically requiring at gunpoint your neighbors to come and pay for this subsidy yeah that's what taxes are taxes are collected on the threat of force if you're if your neighbors refuse to pay the taxes they will be force will be exerted against them if they if they resist the force deadly force will be used against them that's what it means to, to raise taxes. That's what it means to impose taxes. Some taxes, I think, can be justified, but you know, you need to realize for limited government, for limited. That's the big for, part of this. And that's the thing is that I think the way to justify taxes is, well, do I owe the money? Can you actually point out to me how I owe the money? You know, if I'm drowning out in the middle of the ocean somewhere. And you pick me up with your boat and say it costs you a hundred dollars to um, a little extra fuel to drop me off at a at a different location. I think it's reasonable to say I owe you the hundred dollars. But perhaps, it, 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 perhaps it's but it's hard to it's hard to argue 
You're saying that you forced me into a contract. I don't think anybody can be forced into a contract. Well, and, and perhaps, but at the end of the day, though, if, if you come along and, and build a park maybe three miles from my house, and I don't want the park, you know, I, I think you'd have a hard time making an argument that I owe you for that park. And that's kind of what taxation for some of these luxury programs is, is you've basically started a luxury program or a charity program, and you forced your neighbor to pay for it. Yeah, that's the way it works in America. That is the way it works in America, and and we should stop voting for that garbage. Well, we've been saying it for now years, Paul. I've been saying it for decades. Uh, it, It hasn't done a almost a hill's bit of good although we win one every once in a while but when it comes to the big uh, battles and big money I have to say that uh, I go over more often than I even get a one 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 for uh, six at the plate you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. it's just uh, you know bat 250 it's just that it is it's changed in America People believe that they're entitled to certain things, just like yep. the grandfather believed he was entitled to take money uh, out of the, you know, the general fund, so to speak, mm-hmm. and buy his grandchild an ice, ice cream. cream. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you go, you go on and on about this right. stuff. There's been a seminal shift uh, in America. And I think my grandfather would have been ashamed. He, he, I don't think he ever would have made a statement like that, but I think he would have been ashamed if he was even accepting um, a subsidy like that. Well, back in your grandfather's day and my grandfather's day, you couldn't go and get ice cream. Uh, you could go get a, a, a you know bag of rice or get some potatoes or uh, get some powdered milk, uh, get some cheese, things, uh, bread, things of staples, things like that. Stuff that you took and you made stuff out of. That or you, or you maybe didn't get anything at no. all. My grandfather grew up during the Great Depression, and that was back during a time when people were literally having a hard time finding food. Yeah, I agree. But but some of them, like my grandmother, she grew up on the, on a farm, and you know I don't think they ever went hungry, but. They weren't eating steak every night. No, I'm sure they weren't eating steak every night. But at the end of the day, though, they they made things work. They helped their neighbors, and that was life. Well, neighbors helping neighbors, we've lost that a long time ago because we don't. Most of us don't even know our neighbors. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll uh, finish up live for today here at the uh, Capitol because we'll repeat the. Um, interview we did with uh, J.R. Davis, the governor's spokesman, in the 5 o'clock hour. If you didn't get to hear it, you should listen to it. A lot of information in that about the uh, decision by the federal judge to strike down Arkansas Works and where do we go from there. It's back to 2013 is really what it is. It's back to the future here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Third floor, house side in the state capitol. It's a beautiful day outside. We're in the 70s. It definitely is springtime in Arkansas. Back after the news. Hey, just a moment. We're going to talk to Mitch Walton. Uh, He's a director over in North Little Rock. And we're going to talk about completing your degree and how Harding University can help you with that. But before we do that, today is the first day of baseball uh, for the 2019 season. And with that... 
Well, we got to play the greatest uh, comedy routine ever written. Who's on first? Will you keep quiet? Sebastian! Excuse me, please. Sebastian, please. Don't interrupt my act. Sebastian! Oh, Mr. Borges, I, I didn't see the lights there. I forgot about them. What in the world are you doing? Right. Why interrupt my act like this? Well, look, Mr. Borges, I, I mean, after all, if you're in a ballpark, they always sell peanuts and popcorns and things like that. I know that, Sebastian, but not in front of them. I, I beg, I beg your pardon, friend. Ladies and gentlemen, and also the I, children, will you excuse me for a minute, please? Thank you. What do you want to do? Look, Mr. Borges... Right. What are you doing? I love baseball. Well, we all love baseball. When we get to St. Louis, will you tell me the guys' names on the team so I go to see them in that St. Louis ballpark? I'll be able to know those fellas. Well, now, it's all right, folks. All right. Excuse me. I, all want, right. I want to find out the fellas' names. As long as it's okay I'm, with the I'm audience. crazy about baseball. Uh, will you stand still? Pick up your hat. Go pick up your hat. Okay. Now, look. Then you'll go and peddle your popcorn and don't interrupt the act anymore? Yes, sir. All right. But you know, strange may seem they give ball players nowadays very peculiar names. Funny names? Nicknames, pet not, names. Not as funny as my name, Sebastian Dinwiddie. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Funnier than that? Oh, absolutely. Whee! Yes. Now, on the St. Louis team, we have uh, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find out. I want you to tell me the names of the fellas on the St. Louis I'm, team. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. You know the fellas' then, names? Yes. Well, then who's playing first? Yes. I mean the fellas' name on first base. Who? The fellow playing first base for St. Louis. Who? The guy on first base. Who is on first? What are you asking me for? I'm not asking you. I'm telling you who is on first. I'm asking you who's on first. That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first base. Who is on first? Have you got a first baseman on first? Certainly. Then who's playing first? Absolutely. When you pay off the first baseman every month, who gets the money? Every dollar of it. Why not? The man's entitled to it. Who is? Yes. So who gets it? Why shouldn't he? Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Who's wife? Yes. <laughs> After all, a man earns it. Who does? Absolutely. Well, all I'm trying to find out is what's the guy's name on first base? Oh, no, no. What is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? That's what I'm trying to find out. Well, don't change the players. I'm not changing nobody. Now, take it easy. What's the guy's name on first base? What's the guy's name on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. He's on third. We're not talking about him. <laughs> How did I get on third base? You mentioned his name. If I mention a third baseman's name, who did I say is playing third? No, who's playing first? Stay off of first, will you? Well, what do you want me to do? Now, what's the guy's name on third base? Well, what's on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. He's on third. There I go, back on third again. Well, I can't change their names. Will you please stay on third base, Mr. Broadhurst? Please. Now, what is it you want to know? What is the fella's name on third base? What is the fella's name on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. Third base. You got an outfield? Oh, sure. St. Louis has got a oh, good outfield? Absolutely. The left fielder's name. Why? I don't know. I just thought I'd ask you. Well, I just thought I'd tell you. Then tell me who's playing left field. Who is playing first? Stay out of the infield. Well, don't mention their names out here. I want to know what's the fellow's name in left field. What is on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who is on first? I don't know. Third, Third base. Oh, take it easy. Take it easy, man. And the left fielder's name? Why? Because. Oh, he's center field. He's center. Will you pick up your hat, please? Pick up your hat and look. stop this. Oh, look, Mr. Broadhurst. Yes. Wait a minute. You got a pitcher on a team? Wouldn't this be a fine team without a pitcher? I don't know. Tell me the pitcher's name. Tomorrow. 
You don't want to tell me today? I'm telling you, man. Then go ahead. Tomorrow. What time? What time what? What time tomorrow you're going to tell me who's pitching? Now listen. Who is not pitching? Who is on? I'll break your arm. You say who's on first? Why come up here and ask? I want to know what's the pitcher's name. What's on second? I don't know. Third base. You got a catcher? Yes. The catcher's name. Today. Today. And tomorrow's pitching. Now you've got it. That's all. St. Louis has got a couple of days on the team. Well, I can't help that. All right. What do you want me to do? Got a catcher? Yes. I'm a good catcher, too, you know. I know that. I would like to play for the St. Louis team. Well, I might arrange that. I, I would know. like to catch. Now, I'm being a good catcher. Tomorrow's pitching on the team, and I'm catching. Yes. Tomorrow throws the ball, and the guy up bunts the ball. Yes. Now, when he bunts the ball, me being a good catcher, I want to throw the guy out at first base, so I pick up the ball and throw it to who? Now, that's the first thing you've said right. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Well, that's all you have to do. Is to throw it to first base. Yeah. Now, who's got it? Naturally. Who has it? Naturally. 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 Okay. Now, you've got it. I pick up the ball and I throw it to naturally. I know you he... don't. You throw the ball to first base. Then who gets it? Naturally. Okay. All right. I throw the ball to naturally. You don't. You throw it to who? Naturally. Well, that's it. Say it that way. That's what I said. You did not. I said I throw the ball to naturally. You don't. You throw it to who? Naturally. Yes. So I throw the ball to first base and naturally gets no, it. No, you throw the ball to first base. Then who gets naturally. it? Naturally. That's what I'm saying. You're not saying that. Excuse me, folks. All right, I'm sorry, Frank. I throw the ball to naturally. You throw it to who? Naturally. Naturally, well, say it that way. That's what I'm saying. Don't get excited now. Don't get I excited. I throw the ball to first base. Then who gets it? He better get it. All right, now don't get excited. Take it easy. Hmm. Now, I throw the ball to first base, whoever it is drops the ball, so the guy runs to second. Mm -hmm. Who picks up the ball and throws it to what? What throws it to, I don't know. I don't know, throws it back to tomorrow. A triple play. Yeah, okay, it could be. Another guy gets up and it's a long fly ball to be caused. Why? I don't know. He's on third, and I don't care. What was that? I said, I don't care. Oh, that's a shortstop. <laughs> All right. That's him, of course, Abbott and Costello. That piece was done back in the very late 40s. Wow. And uh, I paid it for almost maybe that long. No, I've been playing it for over 20 years. I just think it's a great way to start off the baseball season. Okay, let's get back to our guest. Mitch is with us, Mitch Walton from Harding. Mitch, there's people that go to college like myself. Uh-huh. And then uh, for whatever reason, uh, we have to drop out before we can finish up i'm nine hours short for my degree so uh what uh you know what do uh, what should i be telling myself here that there's still possibility at 66 to pick up my degree absolutely we we, we want you to bring your transcripts by it may take a little while to find them but <laughs> if you've been yeah. out for a while but uh basically what we do dave is is um we we've been working with um a lot of the Central Arkansas schools here in Pulaski County in particular and uh, up in White County, uh, we have uh, a lot of schools that have paraprofessionals, teachers' aides, instructional assistants in the, in the classrooms. And uh, we've been working with a lot of these individuals, and uh, a lot of them have associate's degrees. And so uh, they'll take that associate's degree, degree and uh, we'll evaluate their transcripts, and, and there are certain courses, certain classes, you know, that they need to bring as prerequisites. But we can help them... Uh, uh, get a pathway toward getting a bachelor's degree in uh, birth to kindergarten with a special ed emphasis. Uh, we can also help them with uh, a 
a K-6 degree in elementary education, as well as middle level, and uh, which includes uh, language arts and math, science, and social studies. So those are the areas that we specialize in, and um, we we work a lot also with uh, Pulaski Tech's uh, college here in uh, North Little Rock. Uh, we also work with ASUBB pretty closely, but we've also had uh, outreach as far as Hot Springs and up in the Batesville area. But uh, primarily here in central Arkansas, we have uh, individuals coming to us with a desire to, uh, to complete that bachelor's degree. Uh, some of the schools have looked at it from the standpoint of this is kind of you can grow your own. Uh, they'll encourage these individuals to go back and uh, that way, many times they'll be able to assume a position there in the school district in which they work. All right, so Mitch, how difficult is it for a person, let's say for myself? I mean, I was in college 1971 through 75. Mm-hmm. Uh, how difficult is it to transfer those kinds of credits to a university in the 21st century? Again, what we what we typically do, and part of the process is uh, part of our application process is we take the we take the transcripts, and we will evaluate uh, the courses that you had previously. There may be some classes that you need to to take um, in addition to what you've had previously in order to uh, complete the prerequisites uh, the first two years. Uh, again, we recommend uh, individuals going to. Uh, uh, the Pulaski Tech College, ASUBB, and other maybe another uh, two-year school to complete those prerequisites, right. and then uh, core classes. Core classes, right? And then we, they bring them, they bring them to us, and we're able to get them uh, in the teacher prep program uh, so that they can again complete that uh, bachelor's degree. How about bachelor's degree? I mean, I don't know how um, you know uh, Harding is on this, but where I went to school because I was in uh, radio, television political science and, and philosophy, I didn't have to take any any languages. Right. Does Harding have a language requirement, so I would have to take a language? There's not there's not a foreign language requirement oh, as far okay. as education. I did English, no. so that was no right. problem. Right. But uh, there's uh, uh, intro to education. There's some uh, children's literature classes. There's some uh, early childhood classes that they might take at, at one of these two-year schools, and uh, that... That, they can bring that in with them as they come into our program at Harding University. Okay, so the person's been out of school, let's say, for 30 or 40 years. You know, are they able to perhaps take what they've done work-wise and have that translated into credit hours? We don't have that ability at this time. Um, a, lot of our, a lot of the students that come to us are already working in a school system. And so, um, uh, they, again, they have that experience with them. But there's there's not any credit associated with that. Now, the beauty part of our program is they can uh, our our classes are offered in the evening. They're face to face classes. Yeah. They've got a teacher there. It's not an online program. So uh, most of our teachers are people that are either working in school systems. Now we have teachers that come down from the main campus on Searcy uh, that are a part uh, of the instructional process. Uh, but a, a lot of our students, or a good number of our students, have families. They're already working in the school system, so they can come on a Monday night or a Tuesday or a night, a Thursday evening. Um, they can uh, come during the summertime and uh, get those classes. So there's some flexibility there with, with the schedule, and especially with individuals who are already working and uh, have a family. So uh, it, it makes it a lot more convenient for them to have that opportunity to come finish up their education that way. What, what typically is the most difficult, difficult aspect 
for a person who's looking to finish up their degree after being out of college uh, for so long? I mean, I, I got to believe that, for instance, myself, some of my maybe radio or television classes or journalism classes wouldn't be up to snuff today mm-hmm. as they were back in, in the day. I mean, the guy who taught me was a former editor of Time Magazine. Uh-huh. So, but, uh, I mean, that was a long time ago. One, one of the things that we try to do is um, uh, th- there are assessments that uh, people have to take in order to get their licensure. There are praxis exams. Um, there's, there's, a, there's, you know, an entry requirement as far as, like, if you had an ACT score and that sort of thing coming into the program. Uh, a lot of these individuals, either they've been out too long or they've, they're past that, that point where that score would count. And so some of those individuals go back and, and have to take the ACT again. Ooh, that would me, be rough. And it, it, it is kind of rough on some of these individuals who've been out of school for a while. And so we, we work with them. We have tutorial programs and that sort of thing that we will uh, provide. We have uh, materials there. Uh, they can take uh, sample tests online there at our center. We let them come in use our labs uh, for that purpose. So, you know, we want, we want people to succeed. We want people to have that. If they have that dream, they have that uh, desire to uh, receive a degree, uh, we're going to work with them the best way we can. And also another another good thing about our center, Dave, is um, we try to keep the process very simple as far as the admissions requirement. Uh, Barbara Ashley is our uh, administrative assistant there Heard in the that office. that name before. And uh, she's great as far as uh, c- uh, people coming in and uh, – She'll take care of their needs as far as the application process, take the application fee, which is only $50. Uh, she'll collect the records like for their transcripts. Everything will come to her. She will guide them through the admissions process. Uh, she will also set up a career uh, path for them. Uh, she and I work together. Uh, if there's some difficult, uh, difficult spots there where people are having trouble working through, we'll work with these individuals. But uh, she does a, a wonderful job in, in helping these students these students have a lot of confidence in, in, in her and what we uh, you know what we're trying to do for them and helping them to uh, to complete that degree. So, um, so uh, what would be a a good uh, phone number for somebody to call or a good website for somebody to go to? We're we're really trying to promote that right now. Okay. It's, it's just harding.edu forward slash nlr. That's that pretty easy. Pretty easy. Harding.edu forward slash nlr. And then, of course, the phone number is uh, 501-758-4700. Uh, uh, 40, Excuse me. I'll get that. 40, it's 4857. I'm sorry. But uh, I don't call that very often. It's mostly on the cell phone. But, uh, right. But uh, the, the phone number there is, is uh, 501-758-4857. So uh, that will clarify Easiest that. Easiest way, Harding. Uh, edu forward slash nlr nlr and you can get all your questions answered. There's a there. lot of information on that website that they can uh, that, that will answer many of the questions. Yes. Okay, so let's come back here in just a few moments and let's wrap this up with a big pink bow on it. Okay. And give people all the information again we just talked about when we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. Learn the little known strategies that can help you save tens of thousands of dollars in taxes with a free tax reduction analysis. Uh, comes from David Lucas of David Lucas Financial. This free analysis reveals the little-known strategies that uh, people don't know uh, and uh, loopholes that could help you save thousands of dollars in taxes with your IRA, 401K, Social Security benefits, and more. Understand this isn't anything that's illegal. It's just that 
you don't study it as well as CPAs and other people study it, and David Lucas is going to share it with you, and you'll be able to save literally thousands of dollars in retirement on taxes. To get your free analysis, just be one of the first 10 callers right now at 501 653 6690. Let's get our break in and we'll come back and finish up with Mitch Walton from Harding University. Hey, Mitch uh, Walton is with us from Harding University. We're talking to uh, folks like uh, myself who didn't get their college degree. I've got, I've got like 93 hours, and I'd like to have the last nine hours so I could go ahead and get my, my degree. Uh, I've been arguing for years with Moorhead State University, and we're at an impasse. I guess I'll go to my grave still nine hours shy. They, they just can't live without the, the hourly rate that I have to pay for nine hours. Mm-hmm. But bottom line, uh, that's just the way it goes. I, 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 was, uh, I'm, I was as stiff-necked then as I, am, <laughs> as I am now. So, Mitch, let's come back. And there was, we were just sitting here talking with... Uh, uh, some folks and they were asking about uh, veterans. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you guys do some uh, special things with veterans? We do have uh, veterans benefits available. Uh, we have a lady on campus, the main campus in Searcy, that takes care of all that. And uh, so, yes, we've had several individuals that's come through. Uh, we've had the retired military. Uh, we've had individuals that, uh, again, uh, have veterans benefits that are available to them and and we can we can help them with that through the paperwork and uh, help them with the enrollment process with that well bottom line is all that people need to do is if you got questions is to get on the internet and ask right and you can get get all the answers that you need don't don't short you know short change yourself exactly yeah the the uh the website there for our north little rock center where we have our degree completion program uh, is uh, harding.edu with a forward slash NLR. And we invite you to go to that site. And uh, there's a lot of information there about our programs, about the faculty, uh, admission requirements. And, uh, again, uh, we invite you to come to our center. It's over there close to McCain Mall on McCain Park Drive. And uh, we invite you to come and, and visit with Barbara and myself, and uh, we'll be glad to work with you to see if we can fit a program uh, that, will meet you, that will meet your needs as far as reaching out to that bachelor's degree. Well, I've heard that since you've been coming on and talking about this. You've had some people come over to see you. We have. We've had several individuals, and, and we appreciate the opportunity to come to uh, your show, Dave, and, and uh, help us promote this. And, uh, you know, we, we need some good teachers out there. And it's great if we've got people that's already working in the schools that uh, can, uh, again, have that desire to teach. Uh, want to move up the ladder a little bit? I think that's great, and we want to try to help them achieve that. All right. That's Mitch Walton over at Harding University. Again, uh, you want to uh, get a hold of uh, these folks, harding.edu uh, forward slash, and that is NLR for right. North Little Rock. Right. Thank you. All right. Let me remind you to get that information at Harding University, the vet information, all the things that you heard us talking about, Mitch and I. Uh, harding.edu forward slash NLR. That's your website, and everything you need to know is there. Don't forget about PI Roofing and Home Solutions now. They not only do your roof, but they don't uh, just do home repairs anymore. They also clean out gutters. A lot of you uh, get your your gutters cleaned out by uh, Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Services. Well, they don't exist anymore. 
They're now PI Roofing, and PI Roofing uh, bought Tommy's, and they're taking their professionalism on roofing and home repair and bringing it to taking care of your gutters. So to take care of your home, kind of a one-stop shop now with PI Roofing. PI Roofing, uh, take care of those gutters for you. Don't forget that if you need any kind of roofing work, uh, they do a great job. Did my roof uh, several years ago. About time for them to walk it again to make sure everything's cool, copacetic. Have them do that probably in May before the hot weather really gets here and make sure it's okay. And my son-in-law put his his foot through the ceiling of my garage, and I'll get the home repair folks over to take care of that. All you got to do is do exactly like I'm going to do. Go to piroofing.com. That's piroofing.com. All right, let's finish it up for uh, today. Uh, We had some people walk by, wanted to spend some time with us, but were not able to uh, because they had just about 10 minutes left, and we were in break, and we uh, turned around, and we're sitting now at uh, looking at – them going to committees. They got late committees meeting again. Well, actually, Stephen was actually telling me that they were just on recess. They still had a. a oh, they're going back think, to the house. I think again, he huh? said they had a page and a half of bills left. Oh my goodness! So okay. they may be here a while. Is the is the Senate still in? Uh, are they still I, I doing their thing? Yeah, they are. I can't. I was just told. Oh, yep. Therese just said. Therese just said. Yep. She said, "Yeah, they're still causing problems." No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we we heard we heard over. Uh, from the that uh, the uh, uh, bill dealing with uh, the internet sales tax ran into some problems today, Paul. Did you understand what those problems were? Well, so apparently the 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 holdup is about car washes, and I'm not sure exactly car what car washes. Is. We we can't seem to get How people. Car, what, where did you th- How am I going to do car washes by the internet? Well, I think the thing is that this this bill doesn't isn't just internet stuff. It's it's a bunch of different That's right. stuff. I think they buried the internet thing in this bill. I think that may be what what what's going on. And so I ran into Bart Hester today, and I didn't ask him about that. And I meant to ask him why they they miss you know they uh, know. mix that up that way. I don't know because be if you remember to... two years ago, they were trying to put it together as a separate <laughs> standalone bill, and I guess. Uh, the uh, the deal is that they figure they're going to get uh, I don't know get some maybe get it through without you know everybody will hold their nose and vote for them because they got something in, in the other part of the bill that they want maybe so I, I don't know I don't I this is a bill that I well that's really the only thing that of. that's the only thing that makes sense to me yeah I, I don't know why Bart Hester would run the thing I don't that's but. the other question I didn't get to ask him that I. I, it was just a very fast. We ran into each other, and mm-hmm. you know he comes on the show a lot. We've we've got a good relationship with him, and we're asking him questions. And I was asking him a couple of questions, and that was all the time I had. It was short, short thing, as far as that was concerned. So we'll just have to see what, what mm-hmm. what's going to go on we'll see, uh, about that. From what I and I've, I've heard a little bit about it, that there's, I guess, some lobbyists for car washes or. Are are concerned about it, and that's kind of where they're at. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly. What, I don't even know what their issue is. Maybe it's kind of how they collect fees, or are are there any car washes? You know, Best used to be the place I went to, right there on uh, on Bowman by uh, uh, Sam's. 
uh, and Taco Bell okay. was right there as well. And they had people that were out there. And, and they hand wash your car? Hand, well, they didn't hand, hand wash, it. but they hand dried it. Okay. And they'd go inside the car and wipe the seats down and clean the windows real good. and think, From the inside. Are there any places that do that anymore? I think there are a few. Um, you know, now that I think about it. Without a, charging you $60? I don't know. Is that cheap? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. But um, I think there's still $40? Where's that at? Down in Benton on uh, South Street. Okay. They'll detail your car for 40 bucks. Okay. In, in Benton. They'll detail your car. Well, I bet you that's that gentleman I had on my show with uh, Joe and Duck came in. He was giving away a few of his secrets hmm. on how he was how to clean cars. Well, how they how Detail. they clean how they clean your your windshield so that you don't have all those streaks and everything. They do a van for fifty. Yeah, all right, vans for fifty. Well. All right, yeah, I'll I'll get them back on. I'll call Duck and get them back on. I need to get over there and pay the money and get my car taken care of as it is uh, already. Well, they must be coming to a close here. Uh, as far as in the House and the Senate. And uh, I wonder if they're going to get into committees any later tonight. Probably so, just because they're meeting early tomorrow morning. But the bottom line is, not a whole lot of lobbyists around right now. Yeah. If it you sounds know, quiet behind us, it's because the lobbyists are gone. I think they may be going back into session just right now. Stephen was standing here a minute ago, so, and he think he said they had about 10 minutes to for on a, on a Potty, you tell me they took a potty break. I think that might have been something. Yeah, they don't. They, they call it a recess. Yeah, they take a, take a little basically recess. Basically, it's a potty break. Is, is they what, can go find them. Is what it is. A little snack. You know. All right. And by the way, don't forget, uh, call okay. Cecile Bledsoe, Senator Bledsoe, about the used car tax. About the used car tax. Four three six six three six two one one five. Let me give you that again. Four seven nine six three six two one one five. I'm hearing that uh, they thought they defeated it, but it looks like to me that it's going to get brought up again. Josh Miller telling us that. All right, a break, and then we'll be back for the final segment of the Dave Ellswick Show on a Thursday. Hey, hey Zach, jump on the microphone for a second. Yeah. Hey, uh, I, I, I got a job for you. Uh, the, D, the DEA is looking for somebody who could burn a 1,000 pounds of marijuana an hour. <laughs> you think you can fit that uh, that spot? You think you can do that? <laughs> and if you do that, stand stand downwind, brother. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. That is the DEA is seriously has a job application out for somebody who can burn a thousand pounds of marijuana in, in Anna, an hour. I mean, man, somebody out. Somebody's. It's it's uh, it's www.lvt.com. I, I don't okay. even know if it's real, but it's, yeah. it's www.lvt.com. There's just just two W's. Just two W. Oh well, then it's probably not really real. <laughs> I, I don't know. Somebody it's, take somebody give them that address again. Wltv. 
com. Oh, yeah. Somebody look at go to there and tell me if that's a real thing. I, I'm afraid to click on it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it might be, the, might be the DEA. Looking for um, <laughs> Looking for people who are smoking a 1,000 pounds an hour. Yeah. They need to look for Cheech and Chong. That's what they need to do. Uh, uh, Chicago would probably be able to handle that, wouldn't they? Uh, they or would might, Washington, D.C. be able like to handle 1,000 like pounds? A, uh, Cheech and Chong joke. Yeah, it does sound like a uh, Cheech and Chong uh, joke. All right, so uh, top, let me just give everybody a, a run over uh, some things here. Hold on, let me go back here. I gotta go details here. We could talk about the um, um, the uh, red flag about, bill. Yeah, they failed. They got beat. It, yeah, it, it got beat like a bad drum today. It it, it failed. Greg it was letting. Ex- it got was ex- beat up. It was expected to fail. And um, yeah. It was an it was an interesting bill. It got th- well. It got three votes, all Democrats, and uh, all every Republican said they, they, nay. They, they gave it a they gave it a hearing. It wasn't just a, a um, it wasn't just rushed through. They gave well. A hearing. That's more than they did for like three of Kim Hammer's bills. They didn't, wouldn't even give him a second. Yeah. No. Yeah. It, it got a second, so it got a full vote. Um, but it, they, they gave him a hearing. They probably spent nearly an hour on it. And um, there was um, one person spoke against it and two speak, people spoke for it. and Or two, two were signed up for or two were signed up to speak for, for it and one was signed up to speak against it. I spoke against it. I was the, I was the one there to speak against it. And um, I think it was it, – it, it was a useful conversation – um, but it was the wrong approach, and I think part part of the reason is some of the accountability that he put into it was actually kind of neat. Except that we just don't, we just can't trust the government to hold themselves accountable when they violate people's rights. And I think we've we've got a history of that. But one of the neat things about it that I, I actually kind of liked was the fact he was going to require two witnesses before they could actually um, take someone's guns away with affidavits and they, they couldn't just be normal witnesses they had to be two police officers willing to sign an affidavit for it and so i kind of liked that aspect of it but the problem is that we've got a um, a pretty um, solid history of police officers not being held accountable when they charge people with stuff when there's no evidence for it just like when we see the the um the gun laws here in arkansas not being upheld and the police officers not being held accountable appropriately when they um, violate people's rights. And so I, I think that's part of the problem is that even if there were some solid safeguards, we can't trust the prosecutors to hold the bad actors accountable. Did Will Bond show up to even speak in he favor? Did. He did show up, yes. Okay. I didn't know whether he did or not. Yeah, he, yeah, he's, he was the other sponsor on that bill. He showed yeah, up. Yeah, he was a co-sponsor. Kinda, and he, and he um, contributed some as far as some questions go. And it was interesting watching some of the commentary back and forth between um, – the, um, the the sponsors and um, who were some of the committee members that they were Stephanie uh, Flowers talking. actually spoke quite a bit and her some of her commentary almost sounded like she was opposed to the bill she ended up voting for it but some of her commentary kind of seemed like that she was almost kind of pointing out that it wasn't necessary because there's already mechanisms in place to deal with the situations because it, it was I think so what was, you're telling me is she had a period of lucidity. You know, she she actually asked some pretty good questions. She's, like I said, she's, she had a period where she was thinking clearly. She's high-strung sometimes, but she asked a lot of questions, and some of those questions are pretty decent questions. And, you know, and a lot of us realize that she kind of melted down earlier in the session, but she's not 
just a total moron all the time. In fact, I, I made a mistake one time in committee. I was I was speaking, and I was wrong about something. I was just um, a little confused, and she corrected me, and she was right. And so that's a little embarrassing, but the fact is she was correct, and I, I'm not going to, to, to take that away from her. But so it was, it was kind of interesting because she was actually asking some of the, the hard questions and kind of making some of the hard points about how some of the systems work because we already have a system in place that if we're – if someone is mentally insane or making threats, that you can you can take them into custody now. You don't have to to wait. No, we, we don't need a you don't We've need a red flag law. for years. Yeah, right? There's and you know if so if if your neighbor or your sibling or your husband or wife are acting like they're out of their mind, there's right. things you can already right. do. Right, you can call the police. And and I would say that's enough. We don't need more ways that you can get into screwing with somebody. We know what that's like if you look at what's going on at DHS and false uh, Right, right. You know, and, and Alan Clark um, kind of made that things. point. He, he, he actually asked, he, he asked the question of me about if I was aware or if I would be surprised that there were, I think he said thousands of maybe false, false reports complaints. that come in yeah. to DHS. And that didn't surprise me, but and then, but then you get pointed, something like that, and people take your guns away, and maybe you don't get in front of a judge for a period of a month from now because well, and, the dockets and, and, are so full. In this full. case, it required it, it had to be done within three days, within three business days. I they got to see the, the you got to get in front of the judge within three days. Right, that's, it was fast. That's still three days it's, that your rights three. are being right, uh, and someone abused. might murder you in the meantime because you don't weren't allowed to defend yourself. But one of the things, one of the points that Alan Clark was making. To, to me, while we're on the committee there, is that I think he made the point that not a single one of those cases was prosecuted with all those thousands of false complaints, apparently. Yeah, look at Chicago with Smollett. I mean, they're not yeah, going to prosecute that, him. That's, that, that's, that, that's, so, right, so we can't trust the government to prosecute legitimate criminal liars. And criminal, you know, people who are breaking false, the law. False I can guarantee like you this if that had been me, I'd still be in jail. Yeah, yeah, you might not have gotten out. Yeah, you're right. I but wouldn't the, have gotten the, out. That's that's the, but that's part of the problem is when we my white privilege would have kept me behind bars. <laughs> I'm just Your white privilege might have might have given you three meals a day and a yeah, cot. yes, that'd be it. Maybe and, not uh, even three meals a day. Yeah, your um, your and maybe sandwich. not a not a, a cot either with the overcrowding in uh, the Cook County Jail. Who knows? Might have been. Yeah. So the, so it was it was a good discussion to have. And some of that kind of stuff came out, pointing out that you know if, if you've got mental health problems or if you're just a, a crazy or, or just an evil person who is who is threatening to engage in violence, there are systems in place to deal with that already. Yes, there are, and we don't need the More. added system. And and the the thing is that if if your um, spouse or a relative comes up and makes a false claim about you. There's, there might be a little bit more likelihood that those people would actually be held accountable, although maybe not much. While, while police officers, a lot of times, they're doubly immune to um, to that sort of thing because they're police officers. And um, so, anyway, it was, it was a good discussion to have, but it did fail, and I think it was it was bound to fail. Yeah. I, I could have told you that. All right, just for our baseball fans that are out mm-hmm. there, let's finish up today by 
bringing everybody up to date on the scores from this the first day of of, of uh, baseball. Let's see. Uh, the White Sox Kansas City game is uh, delayed right now. They got a six oh eight game tonight. Boston and Seattle finals for today. Uh, Yankees beating Baltimore seven two. Uh, will Baltimore win more than fifty games? That is the question. Probably, uh, probably not. And uh, there's also the Mets beat Washington to zip. The Cards lost their opener against the Brewers 5-4. In games that are uh, going on right now, uh, Colorado 6, Miami nothing. San Francisco is being shut out by San Diego to zip. The Dodgers are shutting out Arizona 7-0 into 5. Cincinnati uh, is... Uh, trailing Pittsburgh 2-1 to one after 6. In the bottom of the 7th, it's Minnesota 2, Cleveland nothing. Top of the 7th, Oakland 4, the Angels nothing. Bottom of the 7th, Tampa Bay trails Houston 5-1. to one. Uh, Detroit and Toronto are knotted up, zip-zip, bottom of the 8th. And uh, Philadelphia having their way with Atlanta right now. 10 to 4. And they've, uh, I'm looking at the top of the eighth. Uh, the Braves have somebody on third base right now uh, with a couple of outs. In uh, Texas, uh, at Arlington, the Cubs lead the Texas Rangers 7 to 2. Top of the six, and they've got runners on the corners and one out. So that's what's going on in the wonderful world of baseball right now. And boy, I'm feeling good that baseball is underway again. I love me some baseball. I'll be watching. Hopefully, get to see a couple of games this weekend. I can have MLB.com by then. And if I can't watch a game because it's in uh, Arlington or it's in St. Louis because we're blacked out in those markets, uh, I'll at least be able to listen to the radio broadcast uh, for those ball games. Hey, Dave, I got a well, question. Paul, Yes. How much you pay for the MLB pass? It's a little over a hundred bucks. It's not bad. And you pay all that, and you can't even watch St. Louis, Texas. No, it just it makes no sense. No, it makes no sense. I'm five and a half hours away. They want me to buy a ticket, right? Mm-hmm. They're literally they want me to buy a ticket. And here's the key: I'm not going to drive five and a half hours to go see the Cubs in St. Louis or the Cubs uh, down in. Um, uh, Arlington. Yeah. I was thinking about doing it, but uh, the uh, the break they get give you for being a, a former military member, which is significant, they don't do on opening week uh, for the Rangers. So if I instead of only paying sixty eight dollars a ticket and sitting down on uh, the third base line in a okay. box, cool. uh, I would have had to pay $278 a ticket Is that all? to sit in the same place. Goodness. So, you know what? I love the Cubs, but Not I don't much. love them that much. Exactly. Exactly. You know? I mean, that's the reason I don't go see NFL or, uh, the, you know, the NBA anymore. It's too freaking costly. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yep. It really is. It's costly. But I love the game. All right, we're out of time. Paul will be back with me on Monday. We're not going to be here tomorrow because they're going to meet in the morning and be out of here by about 1. And with that in mind, we're not going to sit here and talk to ourselves (laughs) because there will be nobody to be our guest. So we'll see you on Monday at 2 o'clock. 
I'll be back with you tomorrow from the studio. Matt Smith will be my first guest on the Dave Ellswick Show. Good night, everybody. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.